0: God's grace and his mercy are yours, given to you through the work of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, the one who came and did everything for you. So you need to do nothing, but now asks you to do things on his behalf. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, how many of you have read the Bible word for word? Has any of you taken the time to do that? Word for word, Genesis to Revelation. I don't blame you. It is, uh, some parts, it is hard going. Some parts, it's easily confusing. Some parts, you know, or just thinking of the fact that when you come to church, you get fed, and your devotions, you get fed. So I don't blame you if you have not read all 66 books, word for word. Most people, even most Christians, haven't done that. But if you ever do, and the more time you spend in your Bible you're going to see that our Lord has made it a, a message, a book of diversity. And the fact that he has put in here prophecy, he has put in here history, he has put in here poetry, uh, he has made some of this a narrative, some of this has been uh, poetical rhyme, some of this has been uh, looking in the future, and giving you promises and a recording of future events not yet to come. And some of it has been biography. In some places, he will flash back to teach you things. In some places, he will fast forward to teach you things. In some ways, he'll, write, he'll be literal. In some ways, he'll write parables. All with the same focus and the same message being that God loves you. He uses all this diversity all different kind of writers, to tell you the gospel. And the gospel is simply this. You need to do nothing to gain heaven. God has done every single thing for you. In a world where we feel like we have to buy things in order to get things, in a world where we feel like we have to do things in order for God to smile upon us, the gospel says that God smiles upon you whether you do things or not. He frowned, he hated his son and punished him so that you will never be punished, so that you are now a child of God, so that you stand before God as clean and precious to him, as precious as Jesus himself. That's the gospel. If you want to boil down the Bible, and if you've never read all 66 books, again, there's no, no crime in that. I'll, I'll summarize it in three words, and that is God loves you. That's the Bible. Now, if you want to explore that, if you want to unpack that, the Bible's there for you, telling you in many different ways, in many different forms, by many different authors, how that came to pass and what that really means for you. But with that, God wants you to know that, that you don't have to do anything. The pressure is off. Heaven is yours right now. You have a claim in heaven, and it is yours And when you meet the Lord on that face-to-face meeting someday, it's going to be a moment of joy where he welcomes you in to take your inheritance that he won for you. He wants you to know that. And so with that, the Lord will use also in this Bible some writing techniques. He'll use hyperbole. Like I mentioned, he'll use parables. He'll be literal, and then he'll use things like sarcasm. But one way that he does it and teaches us things is what we call a paradox. Now, a couple years ago, we did a whole sermon series on paradoxes. You might remember that. Puzzling paradoxes, we called it. And it's when two, two opinions are the same when they seem to be in contrast to each other. If you remember that, you remember the, uh, the illustration I did for you every time, which seemed to resonate, and it had to do with beer. Does anybody remember that? Where I came from, in, in Wisconsin, obviously Miller Lite still is a big name in Wisconsin. And Miller Lite had commercials back in the 80s where there would be a constant fight, right? Is it, and one side of the bar would say, less filling, what would the other side of the bar say? Tastes great, yeah. And you would have a big fight, you can't be less filling and taste great at the same time until someone, and usually a celebrity or a, a spokesman, would walk in and say, boys, it could be the same can have it less filling, and taste great at the same time. That's a paradox. And the Bible is filled with paradoxes, and we are going to sit at our Lord's feet today as we look forward to 29 with possibly the biggest paradox we ever face. And here are the, here are the, the here's the paradox of the day. The paradox of the day goes like this. Do we have a God that has done it all for us? Yes. Do we have a Lord that says, there are things I want you to do? Yes. Uh, How can that be the same? If he has done everything and he wants us and is looking for us to do things, how can that be the same? To put it another way, are you saved by your works? No. But does does God want us to do works? Yes. And that's sometimes very puzzling. That is sometimes hard for us to undo. How can he want me to do works when I don't need to do works? How can he want me to trust that he has done everything when he has asked me to do things? And that's the paradox we're going to be looking at today. Once we untie that and we fully understand that, now when we look forward to 2019, we can see the best of both worlds. We can see where we stand in God's eyes. And then we can see what it means when he wants us to do things. And with that, if you're taking notes, you're going to see six different things that you can fill in, and what we're going to see here uh, later on, we're going to see six guidelines that you might want to incorporate in your life. While at one time, knowing God has done everything, but now if I want to get better, if I want to change things, if I need to make changes in my life, how can I do that in a God-pleasing way? So the first thing we want to do today is we want to sit at our Lord's feet and have him talk us through what it means to be a Christian, What it means to have a Lord that says, I have done everything for you. But I'm looking for you guys to do some things. How does that work? How does that jive in our head? So feel free to follow along. We're going to be going to James. We're going to be going to James chapter 3. Chapter 2, I'm sorry. And it starts out this way. The Holy Spirit, through James, says this. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds. So he's asking us if you if you say you have faith, well that's great. But if you don't do anything about it, then really, well, what good is it? So last week we talked about how important faith was. Remember that? We talked last week about the faith, the fact that you and I sin every single day. And he knows it. He knows everything that you've done. And yet he says that's what you were. That's what you used to be. You used to be a sinner. Amazing. The fact that God looks back when you came to faith and says, that is where everything changed. When you came to faith, either through baptism or the Word, everything is now gone and washed away. That is what you were, not what you are. That's what you were, and that's how God sees you today. He sees you as forgiven, He sees you as holy. He sees you as blameless. So with that now, he says, Now I want you to do something. I want you to act on that. I want you to represent me. You can represent me in here, through your worship. You can also represent me out there, through thanking me, through giving, through showing your trust and your love in different ways. So he continues by saying, What is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? So if we refuse, he says, to do these things for God, well, boy, that's a good barometer on where we stand. If we choose to keep these things to ourselves and not share them, that puts us in a bad light and that tells us something about our faith. He gives an example, verse 15. Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. And if one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and keep well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it, right? What good is it to have this great attitude and watch somebody struggle and watch somebody go through these things? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead faith. I want to give you an example of this. I want to give you an example of this. I want you to picture this water that I put in our old baptismal bowl, I want you to picture this as faith and as God's blessings. And what God says is, when I brought you to faith, I asked you to dig deep and I gave you all of these blessings. And this is how we naturally are. This is how we naturally act. We're like this right here. We dig deep and we go in deep for God's blessings. And we naturally go and we scoop it all up, all of his forgiveness and all of his love, and the fact that we, are, we uh, hear God saying, you know what, you don't need to apologize for anything. God has done everything for you. And we hold tight to everything that we have. That water is nice and safe. Nothing gets out. Nothing leaks out. It goes nowhere else, right? And God says, if that's how you are with your faith, that's dead faith. All you have done is hoarded that love that I've given to you, that forgiveness I have shown you, all you have done is kept it for yourself. Instead, God wants us to be leaky with it. And maybe that's why we baptize, pastors baptize with their hands. Because God wants you to say, dig deep. Dig deep and take all these things and let it run right out of you to somewhere else. Let it go out of you and show that love to someone else and show that forgiveness to that neighbor, and go and show what I have done for you, and have it come out and leak out right in front of you, and then go back and get filled up again, and do it again, and let that leak out, and let that just ooze from you. Everything you do is to reflect Jesus. That's how he wants you to be, and he says that if you are there, and if you're that, if you're that scoop, and you just keep it inside of you, well, that's just dead faith. All you are doing is keeping and hoarding. You are not doing anything about it. And he says that is a, a bad sign of your faith. That is a bad sign. Your barometer is showing that your faith life is not healthy because all you're doing is hoarding and you're not representing. Continuing on. But he says now there has to be balance, okay? If so, but someone will say, you have faith, you have faith, I have deeds show me your faith without deeds and i will show you my faith but what i do as the body without the spirit is dead so faith without deeds is dead conversely he says if you are all about helping people if you are all about doing things but you don't come back and you don't trust in the one who did everything for you well then you're equally as dead if you are trusting on your works if you are taking pride in your works and not paying attention to what Jesus did for you. Well, now you've gone the other way. Now you're trusting in your works and not trusting in the one that has done everything for you. So with that, we see that there needs to be a balance. With that, we can fully understand now what God is saying. And He says, has God done it all for you? Yes. So with that, does God want me to do things? Yes. He has given me the water. He has given me all of his blessings. He wants you to scoop it and trust in it. And then he wants it to leak from you and go and show to other people. Are you saved by your works? No. Jesus did everything for me. That's what I scoop up. That's what I trust in. But does God want that to come from you? And does God want you to do things now? Sure does. Because you now are his representative. You now are the one that's going to represent him in your personal mission fields. And you can let that leak out of you by the way you act. By the things that you want to do by the things in the way you interact with other people the way that you act and and respond to him in here the way that you respond to him out there so with that now we see how that paradox works and we see how james tells us that you can have one and the other in fact as we look forward to 2019 if you want to be healthy and if you want to have a healthy spiritual life you have both you have your faith standing firm on what God has done for you as you now look forward to start making some changes in your life. And that's what I want to focus on. Looking forward, what are some guidelines that God wants you to live by in 2019? Some of you, you might be on this already. Awesome. If that's you, that's great. But maybe this is a time for you to realize, you know what, I need to I need to get better at finances. I need to be a better uh, parent at home. But I also need to take and pay proper attention to my faith. And that's what we're going to look at right now. You have six blanks in front of you if you want to take notes. The very first thing is the first thing that you're going to want to write down and underline because I hope you never forget this. God hopes you never forget this. In fact, he has written an entire Bible telling you this very thing. And that is, when he brings you to faith... In 2019 in the future every single day know this you are already a holy accepted forgiven child of god that means that anything that you do has nothing to do with that anything you don't do has nothing to do with that some of you have already said you know what i'm going to spend more time on the treadmill great but guess what god loves you exactly the same. Some of you have already fallen off of the treadmill. Some of you have already said, you know what, I had big plans, and they've already fallen apart. Here's the great news. God loves you as much as a week before and a week ago and a month ago. The things that you want to write down and change do not change God's opinion of you. You are a holy child of God because of what Jesus did for you trust in that. And when you look forward to the future, realize that God is on your side and walking with you and thinks you are absolutely precious, precious enough to die for, precious enough to do everything so that heaven is already yours. So with knowing that now, remembering what James taught us, the second thing we're going to want to do is we're going to want to strive and progress. We are not going to need perfection. God doesn't expect you to be perfect. Do you know why God doesn't expect you to be perfect? Because you're a sinner. Let's just be honest about it. And sinners sin. That's why he sent his sinless son to be perfect for you. What God is looking for is your very best. And with that, then, we can take perfection off the table. We can try and do our very best as we we progress. Which means you're going to stumble. The things that you want to do to get better as a Christian and be better as a father and a mother and a son and a worker, you're going to stumble, you're going to fail. That's the way it is, but God is applauding you and cheering you on anyway. The writer to the Philippians, Paul says this. One thing I do, he says, forgetting what's behind and straining toward what is head, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What he's saying is that he's made mistakes. You have made mistakes. It's good that you know that. But it's also good to know that in God's eyes all those mistakes of, are who you were. That's not who you're gonna be judged on. You're gonna be judged in the fact that God sees Jesus and judges you on what Jesus has done. Here's a third thing, and the thing that is maybe the most important thing that we look at as we go forward You are right now being empowered by the Holy Spirit. When you came to faith, God chose to dwell inside of you, which means that you have faith. God is with you. In a few moments, we're going to be able to strengthen our faith through the Lord's Supper. Don't let this be the only time. Your faith is a precious thing and God dwells inside of you, constantly reminding you that you are freely and absolutely forgiven, that you are perfect in his eyes. Here's a fourth thing. Now with that being the case, like we talked a little bit about last week, it's time to be honest about yourself. It's time to be honest about who you are and where you stand in 2019 and realize that you have weaknesses. And it's time in 2019 to start removing whatever hinders your growth. If I were to ask you two weeks ago what some of your um, New Year's resolutions are going to be, you might say, you know what, Um, I need to eat better. And so what you would do is you would go home, throw out all your junk food. Maybe in 2019, if you're open enough with me, you would say, I need to get on a better uh, financial track. I've got too much debt. And so you might say, you know what, and so I'm cutting up my cards, and I'm paying only by cash. Maybe you would say, I need to be a better father. I need to spend more time with my family. And so with that, you're going to go, and you are going to open up your calendar at work. And what God is saying is, if you want to be a stronger Christian, if you want to have stronger faith, you're going to need to make changes in your life. Martin Luther said this. i got a couple of quotes here for you. Martin Luther said this about that. He says, you know what, when it comes to temptation, you know what, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head. They're going to do what they're going to do, but you sure can keep them from making a nest in your hair. Meaning, you can't stop temptation from coming at you, but you can make it difficult for you to sin. How does that look in your life? You can make it difficult and not easy for you to fall into sin. What kind of changes need to be made in your life to make that happen? The writer of the Hebrews tells us, I just put it up, the writer of the Hebrews tells us this, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with a perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Which leads us now to number five. Number five in 2019 Set out to make some holy habits. Get rid of the stuff that tangles you. Get rid of the stuff that brings you down. Get rid of the unhealthy stuff and fill it in with something good. Like we talked about last week. Do you pray? What if you added more prayers to your life? Do you read your Bible? You don't need to read all 66 books to please God. Pick it up once a week. If you're picking it up once a week, pick it up twice a week. If you're picking it up twice a week, pick it up once a day. Maybe you're at a point where you come to church once every three, four weeks. Maybe you up that up so that you can be fed and take care of that faith that you have. Maybe you're to the point where you can uh, take part in Bible study and, have, and, have, and be heard a little bit. Ask your personal questions. Come into a place where you go and you can be fed. Take care of your faith. Do something better. Do something more. Make something a holy habit. And then finally, in 2019, set about to join with others for encouragement. You know, one of the real blessings that we have here at Hope is this, is the fact that we get to turn our attention to God with other sinners. The thing that I always try to say is we are a hospital. We are not a museum. You are sitting next to someone who is broken like you are. You are sitting next to someone who needs help like you do none of us are perfect nobody in here is perfect but we join here not for the cookies not for the camaraderie we join here to hear what god has done for you but join with others to encourage them so we can pray for one another so we can help one another so we can cry with one another if needed so we can celebrate with one another those are some healthy things that we can do in our life as we look forward to 2019 We hear what James is teaching us. We hear what God is teaching us through James, and that is to know that your faith is what you stand on. That's your bedrock. That's what God has done for you. Now he says, go. Be that leaky hand to someone else. Go and do what Jesus did for you. Did everything for you and made sure that you had that. And when you do that, you are going to make an impact in your life. You're going to make an impact in someone else's life you're going to make an impact in someone's eternity. Let's close by going to our Lord in prayer. Dear Lord in heaven, we first want to thank you for your gift of grace. The fact that you were willing to go on the cross and die for us and do everything for us and then judge us on what Jesus did for us is the greatest gift and something that we always cherish. Thank you, Lord. Let us now make changes in our lives as a thank offering to you. Let us take things out of our lives that hinder our faith and replace them with good things, things that strengthen the faith that you have given us and things that make you look good. As we look forward to 2019, continue to lead us and strengthen us as uh, we look forward to our home in heaven that you have given to us, again, purely out of grace. Amen.